Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Welcome to the vineyard. We're glad you've chosen to join us this morning. Whether you're here, whether you're in Sullivan, Bloomington, online, we're just glad to have you as we conclude our sermon series entitled Kingdom Impact. Now, that comes from a book from one of our pastors, Putty Putman, entitled Kingdom Impact, Living Like Jesus in a Broken World. Now, that subtitle is really important because we're going to talk about rebuilding our communities. In general, we look at our communities, and when I say communities, I'm talking about where we live, more like the county, the state, the nations. We're in crisis. Now, they asked me to speak on this because I actually like crisis. They've nicknamed me the crisis king because in times of crisis, whether it's at home or in the church, I tend to rise to the occasion. It's like, wow, I got something to do. You know, it's... When things are going normal, anybody can do it. But in crisis, you can really shine. So I wake up this morning, and I slept completely through last night. I guess there was a big storm. Um, I look out, and there's a tree branch across my driveway so big, I can't get out. I thought, hmm, problem. Now what am I going to do? Can't go to church. I'm supposed to speak today. I just calmly thought, hmm, I'm going to call the city. It's out in the parkway, and it's in my driveway. I, and I called them up, and I told the lady real nice, I said, you know, I'm supposed to go to work at 8 o'clock. And they actually came out and got it. So I want to give a, a shout-out to the city of Champaign, although the guy did drop it on my mailbox and destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's too bad. I have the biggest mailbox you've ever seen. It's an icon. It, from the farm, it says, Happy Layman on it, the Happy Family, or what does it say? That, the Happy Laymans or something like that. I haven't even read it, but it's been there. Nobody puts their name on a mailbox, but farm people do. So, you know, I just, I hate to think that the past has been so quickly destroyed, but that's another story. But I do like to shine in those moments. I have to now think through the mailbox, and that'll be a, another challenge. That I, you know, I'll have something to do for this afternoon. But having said that, our communities are obviously in trouble, and um, as we look at them, we've been assigned to make an impact on our communities. And you think, how in the world would I ever make an impact? It seems too far gone. It seems impossible. How could I, as one person, do anything? Well, let's pray, and we'll ask God what he has to say about it. So, Father, you created everything. You created us. You have redeemed us and you have filled us with your spirit and you've sent us to change the world lord this was your idea we can't do it of ourselves but our daily reading says that if we're attached to you we'll bear much fruit so lord show us how to be attached to you 
bear fruit and make a kingdom impact in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start by asking you a question, and this is a very serious question. We're going to put it on the board, but it goes like this. Are you more gripped in despair by the deterioration of our society or energized by the kingdom inbreaking? I'm talking about the kingdom of God inbreaking. I want you to think about it. Are you more gripped in despair by the deterioration of our society or energized by the inbreaking of the kingdom of God uh, as it breaks in? Which one do you think about? Which one do you talk about? If you're more energized by the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, you're saying, wow, thank God today there's more of the kingdom here than there was yesterday. Things are really getting good, and it's going to be exciting times. I can't wait to see what the Holy Spirit's up to today. Let's get at it. If you're in despair, it's like, oh my goodness, taxes are going up again. There's more trouble. There's more this. There's more that. You see, doesn't Jesus say something in Matthew 6, 33, my life verse that says, seek first the kingdom of God. And yet most of society has this real downer uh, feel. And, and I understand, we can get overwhelmed by it. Uh, I'll just pull one issue that makes the headlines almost every day, immigration. You know, I'll hear them say one side and I say, that, that's good, I'm going to sign up for that side. And then I'll hear the other side and somebody will say, Something I'll say, I should sign up for that one. We were in Jamaica recently and talking to a couple of young people and said, we'd sure like to come to America. And they were precious young people. I thought, hmm, maybe there's more to this immigration thing than I've understood. And I don't have an answer, but you know what my solution is? I just go home, go out in my yard, talk to my trees and my plants, and have a good time and check out. Any of you ever do that? It's like, I don't know what else to do. I don't know enough to make a good decision. I don't understand all the ins and outs. I don't understand all the laws. It, but it is overwhelming. And then suddenly something starts to bubble up inside of me. And wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible say something about we are kings to rule and reign and to carry on the ministry of the great king? I'm thinking, oh, now wait a minute. I am a king, and not just when it's Christ. I'm the Christ's king, I understand that, but I'm also a king all the time, and guess what? So are all of us. And we like to shirk that part of our responsibility. It's like, oh yeah, I just want to be a king when things are going well, and I can rule and reign and sit on my throne and do nothing. I understand, but that isn't what we're called to do. See, with chaos and crisis everywhere, with tensions high, and, and by the way, the world really does try to fix the problems. They just have a problem in that the problems aren't simply natural. They have a deeper root. Let me go aside for a minute, and uh, since this book is about, uh, since the message is based on Putty's book, I want to bring out a few things that he actually talks about from chapters 8 and 11 where he says the problems of our community are really spiritual first. Oh, yeah, they may look like they're natural. You know, you look at some of the problems we face, poverty and crime and depression and racism and, and, and poor um, schools and health crisis and everything, but we actually have an enemy out there named Satan who is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. He's at the root of all of these issues, and if we think we can just cover him up by doing a few good programs, 
it isn't probably going to last. It's like dealing with the fruits but not the roots. And I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the good things that the government does or social agencies. Thank God we have them. But the ultimate solution is a spiritual solution more than a natural solution. And guess who the carriers of the spiritual solution are? That's you and me. That's what we've been sent to do. And so the triune gospel that we've been talking about really is a powerful tool as we go out. Those of you who haven't seen this, this is a little chart that we like to uh, think of how the gospel story unfolds. There's one gospel, but it has three stories. We have three parts of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each one of them has a story. The story of the Father, God as Father, is about relationship. The story of God as the Son, Jesus Christ, is about the idea of identity and uh, bringing us into righteousness, right standing with God. And the story of God, the Holy Spirit, has to do with destiny. And we'll, as we go through, we'll see how these three aspects help us to make an impact on the kingdom, a kingdom impact on the community, because that's what God has sent us to do. We're going to look at that from a couple perspectives, but first of all, just so you think this isn't some new idea, let me take you back about 2,500 years, maybe even more, to a man named Isaiah. Isaiah was a major prophet in the Old Testament, wrote the biggest book of the Bible uh, with 66 chapters, and uh, is, has said some very, very incredible things. He foresaw the king and the kingdom. He's the guy who, at Christmas time, you say, somebody said that a virgin will conceive. That's Isaiah, okay? So Isaiah writes in chapter 61 something really interesting. In Isaiah 61, verse 1, he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Does that verse sound familiar to anybody? Jesus, in his early ministry opens up with that as one of his favorite lines. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's an old-time foundation of vineyards. It's, we, we've been talking about that verse since we began back 40 years ago. Well, what happens to these people who get set free? And what happens to the prisoners who are released? Verse 4 of that chapter 61 says, They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, these ancient cities, though they have been deserted for many generations. Interesting assignment, isn't it? See, we don't just get made whole, made free, restored, so that we can sit around and talk about it. We have an assignment. Go in to restore the rest of the world. Peter, in his great sermon in Acts chapter 3, picks up on this theme when he, when he says this in verse 20. Now remember, this is after the resurrection. It's after the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In verse 20, he says, there will be times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time of restoration of all things as God promised long ago through the holy prophets. I'm going to give you four words that start with R that will really be important in your thinking in the coming days. You'll hear people in church say, we need a renewal. And that's probably true, but renewal basically affects the church. And then somebody will be really bold and say, well, we actually need a revival. 
And revival is loosely defined as what happens in the church starts to spill into the community. But that's still not enough. We need churches that are bringing reformation to cities, transforming how a city lives, functions, how it works, the things that go on, and how they think about God, how they respond. And that's still not enough. God is after the original, the, the restoration of his original design. You know, Isaiah, among others, said there'll come a day when the lion and the lamb will lay down together. Children will play on the holes of snakes. I mean, he just, this thing's going to be transformed. That's what he's taking us back to. Think Garden of Eden times 10 or times 100, just a great place to live. And he, he's asking us to go back to that original design. And that has to do not just with human beings, it has to do with communities and cities and states and nations, businesses, every part of government, everything. He wants to bring it back under his control. All things are under him. See, he has good, good things in store for us, and he sent you and me to be the carriers of that good news. Remember, isn't that what the gospel means? Good news? It's not just hey, come and get saved, and you can go to heaven. It's a transforming message that spreads like, uh, you know, like a smoke would fill a room. It gets into every corner. It goes everywhere. It's been said among uh, some that cities aren't hard to change. It just can't be done by staying inside the church. And that's not to say the church isn't important. It's vital. We have to transform us as a people so that when we go out, we can transform others. We can't give away what we don't have. See, some people think going to church is a duty. No, going to church is a privilege where you get equipped to do the things that God's called you to do, to make you the water walker that he, he's wanting you to be. Well, let me illustrate this in, in, in a few ways. Um, a great story I came across last week, it's been unfolding for a number of years, is uh, lots of you know of Bethel Church in Redding, California. And the picture I put up is Chris Valentin. He's one of the three uh, key leaders associated with that church. Danny Silk was one who had been here. He spoke a few months ago on a weekend. Uh, of course, better known than either of those two is Bill Johnson. And um, all the Bethel music, Jesus culture music comes out of there. But um, Chris is, um, was reading about 15 years ago. In fact, that book, Heavy Rain, has this story in it if you're interested in, in more details. But about 15 years ago... He read in a, in a newspaper that Redding made the list, Redding, California, the home of their church, city of their church, was one of the worst places in America to live. You've seen those. Ten best universities, ten best beaches, ten worst cities, ten highest tax places, of which um, you can probably guess which those are. But um, <laughs> by and large, he looked at it and said, this is awful. And so 15 years ago, the church is, a, they, they consider the church to be about 10,000 now, counting all their students and people that associate with it. But say they were 2,000. He said, this is awful. Our church is prospering, and we're not. Our city's not. He said, he went to the, his um, leadership team, and they decided they were going to do something. So they started praying, and they started making contacts with the city. And it's a tremendous story of how they've transformed Reading. Uh, they, they got to working, and for instance, one of the things they came encounter, encountered, the city of Reading had budget crisis. They were about to lay off some policemen, so they sent a half a million dollars to the city budget so these policemen wouldn't lose their job. 
They have a bigger budget than here, but you could scale it down and, and uh, think your way through. They, they have some beautiful parks in that uh, area, and the parks were trashy and falling apart. So the students, uh, they decided they would uh, release their students. They have two or 3,000 students there every year. They would go out to this park called um, Sundial Park. There, there's a bridge that has a spectacular bridge. It's a suspension bridge in the middle of this huge park, and it's actually a sundial in addition to a suspension bridge. But they cleaned it up. They cleaned up the city. They, they had a civic center that the city couldn't run. This huge building seats 2,000 people. The city was going broke. They said, we'll run it for you if you'll let us use it when you don't need it. The city runs all the events they want. They run, their, they run events. Um, I, I saw recently they gave $1,000. There's big fires out in the West. They gave $1,000 to every homeowner that lost a home, whether they came to their church or not. And I thought, wow, these people really understand how to father a city. They're building relationship with their city. See, that's what the, that aspect of the Godhead is about, fathering a city. Well, what really shocked me was um, I saw this came through on a news feed recently. San Francisco Chronicle, fifth largest newspaper in all of California. This is the headline. Reading Church practices what it preaches. It addresses community needs. That's a pretty good headline for a newspaper nowadays. They don't tend to get that, um, that, that good. If you read on further, it says they have a commitment to community that is so intense, it's supernatural. That's a quote from the newspaper. Isn't that good? And their focus is love and celebration versus activism. They're not doing this to prove, hey, you know, our side's better. No, we love you. We celebrate. We live in this town. We, we worship in this town. This is our home. So it's just a great picture. And I, I texted Chris. I, I know him a little bit. I texted him. I said, way to go. And uh, he, he texted me right back and said, yeah, it's been a good story. And it's not done. But it's all God. And see how God can begin to bring the relationship of who he is. And so you begin to soften. See, you can't really work with the people if you don't love them. It's one of the problems we have in America. We get to hating people, and we don't really pray for people. And God never called us to hate people. They're not our enemies. Satan's our enemy. He may be working some weird things through that other person, but that person's not specifically our enemy. How about the church working as the son? We looked at how the church might work as the, as the father. How would the church work as the son? Well, Again, here, this is about bringing identity, relationship, bringing people into right standing with, with the Father. I have a great story of, of Pat Phillips who comes here. This is Pat and her son, Austin. And um, she's a hospice worker. And if you know anything about hospice, they're to help people in the final stages of life and to leave with dignity and uh, address fears and those kinds of things. Every time I come to church and see Pat, she has a new story. Well, here's one of her recent stories. So she's praying for this older man. He's about to pass away. He's down to breathing like four, five, six times a minute, usually breathes 16 or more. Uh, he, they think he's going to die that night. His sister calls up and says, you can't let him die. He doesn't know the Lord. <laughs> well, that's a good re reason not to die. Uh, she's, and so Pat gets a chaplain, and they all pray over this guy and thought he probably would die that night. But he next morning comes in, and he's 
barely talk, he was untalkative or maybe in a coma or whatever you're in but now by morning he's able to communicate she gets down by his bed leads him to the Lord said well I knew you were going to talk to me because I could hear you talking yesterday and praying for me and so I want to receive the Lord he receives the Lord they call the sister he agree he can't say much but he tells the sister yes I got saved and he passes away it's like wow is that an important ministry or what? And then she, he, I think Patsy even brought one or two of her other hospice workers with her to church. They're beginning to understand there's a way to help people die with dignity. How about if we change all the hospice workers into thinking like that? Those of you that do it, that's an important job. Pat thinks she's on top of the world. She's not the CEO of some company. She just, most of us say she's an average person going to work and doing an average job. But she sees the dignity and she sees what God's doing. And so she's able to bring righteousness identity right into their life. See, we are both kings and priests under the great king and great high priest, Jesus Christ. We continue his ministry. We continue doing it wherever we go. Now, speaking of, uh, of our kingly role, we're always thinking in terms of, of destiny and how we can help people. What, what role is that? That's the Holy Spirit's role. Helping people come back to their, their destiny. I, I think it's very interesting. There's a group forming up around here of kingdom entrepreneurs uh, led by Phil Miller, my son Jay Lehman. And uh, their, their plan is to help businesses understand God's original design for the business. See, God had every business in mind before you ever started it. And he wants it to run on kingdom principles and understand how to prosper. Be good for you, the owner. Be good for the workers. Be good for your customers. Be good for the community. He wants to see it transform. See, our job is to displace the evil that Satan's tried to do where there's greed and cheating and uh, inappropriate activities. God wants to do some interesting things. On, again, going back to Putty's book, page 197, he puts these, he, these words about industry god has created and appointed every industry government belongs to the king of kings Healthcare belongs to the lord our healer nutrition and fitness are about the body and we have uh, the the body we have from god in whom we live move and have our being food service belongs to the messiah who prepared the last supper and looks forward to the next banquet education flows from uh, one uh, flows best from the one great teacher and entertainment echoes the stories and parables of Jesus himself that he told the masses. See, God's involved in all of it. We have to figure out how, what he's doing. Go get involved with him and watch what happens. I want you to stop and think for a moment the city you live in, whether it's this one or Sullivan or Bloomington or Normal or Muhammad or St. Joe or uh, Tusco, wherever you live. Think of the churches in that city. Do you think God created the city so the church could prosper? Or do you think he created the church so the city could prosper? Do you hear what I just said? See, we're, we exist for one reason, to make our communities understand God's alive, well, and is doing amazing things. See, God didn't come to just make us moral and good and uh, create in us uh, people that you know, obey all the laws. He created a group of people that would live in his glory and share his glory. 
He created the people that he would put in the impossible situations, and he would bring tremendous miracles, and people would say, wow, there's a God among those people. I want what they have. See, quite frankly, most of you ate something for breakfast this morning, and it wasn't a miracle. You went to the cereal box, or you made a couple of eggs, and you ate them. There's no great glory in that. It's fine that you did that, but how about... Clay told me, one of our pastors said he was driving past the gas station this morning, saw a woman, stopped his car, turned around, went back, prayed for her, got her healed. Now, that's just kind of an average thing for Clay. He does stuff like that. <laughs> it's like, okay, good job. You know, that's the kind of stories that bring God glory. That woman said, wow. She's having back pain. She's having a bad day. He prays for her. See, I love that kind of stuff. That's what God is all about. See, we've been sent to bring chaos, or bring order out of chaos. That song we sang, the God who brings the order out of chaos. But who do you think does it now? God's not just randomly walking around on earth doing things. He has you and me doing it. If you've seen the Father doing it, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. Now, we should have people saying, if you've seen those vineyardites doing it, you've seen Jesus. He's walking around. We're not Jesus, but we continue doing what he does. Whatever he does, we do. So, again, let's get back to thinking about if we're going to bring the original design to be, we have a lot of work to do. We have a commitment to do. And it starts really with understanding that the world is not our enemies. Our enemy is our enemy. We need to identify him. We need to go after him. And we need to make sure he doesn't stop things. So first of all, we start with the right mindset. We really can and are assigned to go. Second of all, we pray. So often we don't want to pray. We just think, I'm just going to go do something. No, pray. Ask God what he's doing. And then look for something that's obvious and right in your advantage. I have a great story from a young woman named uh, Jen Scheitlin Weiss. And the story of Jen is interesting because Jen Scheitlin, I leave her last name off, was raised in this church. Her parents are Dave and Denise Scheitlin, one of the original couples helped Diane and I start the church. And Jen grew up here. Uh, she, she has a gorgeous family. I think at one time she was even county fair queen or something. I mean, she's a very pretty girl, but she loves the Lord. And she's a stay-at-home mom. And so what can I do? I, how do you meet anybody when you're a stay-at-home mom? She says, well, I go to the fitness center all the time. I'm just going to start listening to what people say to me at the fitness center. People started talking to her about life and death and issues in their life, and she started talking to them. Well, Jen's also part of the vineyard in Gilbert, Arizona. Uh, that's in the greater metro area of Phoenix. And uh, she was asked to speak on Mother's Day. And so she invited four of her friends from the fitness center to come to church. And one of them said, wow, it feels good going to church. The other one said, I, I need to come here more often. This, this is something that I never thought about. See, she's bringing a kingdom mindset into people right in a fitness center. Her goal now is to start Bible studies in the fitness center. Knowing Jen, she'll probably get it done. She's, she's a powerful woman. Or let's go down to Sullivan for a moment. They, they saw this empty, unused building. They saw a broken building, if you will, been unused, vacant, getting run down. And they said, wow, our community could use that building. God began to work with them and show. Now the city of Sullivan is enjoying 
a little mini revival because they're using that as a community center. People are holding events there. They're having parties there. They're having get-togethers. They're talking about doing classes for kids after school there. Who would have thought a building would be in God's plan? Because I hear people say, God's not into buildings. How do you know? God's into everything. Just how do you use what he's into? I know there are buildings that built that shouldn't have been built. But on the other hand, here's a building that was not being used that we can draw the community into. See, what's sitting around you that could be done? We, we have kind of a neat program. We call it HOTS, Healing on the Streets. We take the healing that we learn here, uh, and we take it down. In this area, we take it down to the MTD station, set up on the sidewalk, and put up signs that say healing or prayer. We put chairs out and invite people to come and sit down. Uh, two people that are really active in it, Ken and Angela Kopenbarger, have full-time jobs and show up every Saturday. Go down there sometime. Clay's in charge of that ministry, but Clay, the Kopenbargers, go down there and join them. Others of you do it. Take the healing. We're a healing people. God sent us to be healers. I don't know how long it'll take us to replace all the healing systems of the world. Maybe it won't all happen until... And I'm glad for Carl and OSF and other places, but they'll occasionally say, we can't do something. Well, our God doesn't say we can't do it. He says we can. Right? So uh, we can just work together and be their friend. I I'm excited what we do in the care center. We're reaching out, always trying to touch people and change people and see what happens. Now, it's overwhelming when you think of all the things we could do, all the places we could go, everything there is. So I always go back to one of my key verses in life, John 16, 10. If you're faithful in small things, you'll be faithful in large ones. Faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. And again, focus on the thing that you can do. And then find somebody who's in front of you, who wants to do it with you, and then... You, you, you just see what happens. The other, uh, about two weeks ago, Mike Yoder and I met with the mayor of Urbana. And what a wonderful woman. She could easily be retired sitting in a, a rocking chair. Uh, she said, no, I, I feel my destiny is to lead this city. That was a good question or a good comment. And we said, what can we do to help you? And she said, we have two major problems. Our schools in Urbana are struggling, and we don't know what to do with particularly young boys after school. We said, we'll go pray about it. We probably have some people that would like to be involved in that. And so opportunities are everywhere. Here's what I want you to do. I want to give you a couple of action steps. First of all, I want you to commit for one week to pray about the community you live in. If you live in here in Urbana, live, pray for this place. If you live in St. Joe, pray for St. Joe. Pray for where you live, okay? Ask God what he's doing, what avenues you have, um, how you could help shape it. And then ask him, say, do I have an opportunity in this town to do something? So first you're going to just pray. Second, you're going to ask him for an opportunity. You're going to look for something that needs help that you could get involved in and, and be part of. And then third, you're going to try something or join somebody who's already trying something. So often we want to try something and hope that God will bless it rather than uh, do the first one and two, pray and see where God's doing. Remember, our whole life is what's the Father doing? What can we join with? What's the Spirit saying we're to do? You can't do it all, but you can do the thing that he shows you to do. 
See, God's not designing to kill you. He's designing to bless you and let you have miracles, testimonies, and stories that will transform the community that you live in. Now, you have a choice. You can join up or you can sit this one out. I, you can go to heaven probably either way. But you probably won't have much fun if you sit it out. I, I've never enjoyed being in an athletic contest and sitting and watching. I've got to get involved. That's the way I am. I hope that's the way you are. And I'm going to go do it. I hope you come with me. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for encouraging us to go for it, to be part of what you're doing, Lord, this kingdom impact, this rebuilding our communities. Um, Lord, we have an assignment, and we know you're opening the doors for us to go. Show us our next steps, our next stages, how we do it, and how do we stay true to the things you've given us and yet make an impact and be the carriers of your good news to everyone else. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us the opportunity and then saying you would never leave us, but you'd go with us wherever you send us. Lord, do more than we can ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.